<laughs> Good evening. I'm storyteller Otis Gyre, and I ain't your grandfather. From where I'm from, we don't do bedtime stories. And if that's what you were expecting, you're in the wrong place. If it's terrifying tales you're after, well then, I've got just the thing. Get comfortable, settle in, turn off the lights, if you dare. Your night is about to get a whole lot darker. <laughs> Who needs sleep anyway? <laughs> <laughs> Good evening. You're listening to Scary Stories Told in the Dark. Welcome, dear listeners, to Season 11, Episode 22. I'm your host, Otis Jiry, and in this episode, I'll be performing three tales to terrify you, courtesy of authors Stephanie Sism, Raz T. Slasher, and Veronica Smith. Tonight you'll hear tales of regretful thrills, familial oddities, and unexpected mining mishaps. You're listening to the standard edition of tonight's program, which contains the first spine-tingling story. If you'd like to show your support and enjoy an extended version of this and other episodes with twice the terror, visit simplyscarypodcast.com and click Patrons in the upper menu to sign up today. Thank you for your support. Now, it's time to take a walk together down the moonlit trail. So, lock your doors, turn your lights down low, and settle in. The show's about to begin. <laughs> Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. So I, I know you've got a lot going on, but remember, I'm here for you. So bother me when no one's listening, because I will. Bother me when it feels like it won't get better, because it can. Bother me because you're never a bother. Whether it's a low point or a crisis, get help for yourself or a friend. Learn more at neverabother.org or call or text 988, available 24-7. begin tonight with a trip down to the old bayou where a tourist with too much money and too little sense can have a very good time 
It's a little dangerous at times. But it's not the tourists. It's the tour guide that's about to have a very rough night. Turns out that even if you aren't exactly the most humble soul, you can still have an impact on others, even if it's too late to do anything about it. Without further ado, I present to you Intervention. Bo woke to something wet dragging across his face. Took him a moment to realize where it was. No, oh, cut it out, he mumbled, trying to shield himself from his dog's slurpy affection. His muscles screamed in protest. Be on him, Duke. His mama groused. Maybe he'll get out of my way then. Bo rolled onto his side. Allowing a room to climb the front steps, he was sprawled across. I'd ask, she said, but I don't want to know. Bo pulled off the blanket she'd covered him with. No shirt, no shoes. His pants were muddy and wet, his knuckles bruised and bloody. Had he been in a fight? No. Last night's adventures came back to him. And fishing catfish in the murky waters near Toledo Bend. Yeah, he'd rather not tell Mama about that. He could hear now. What kind of damn fool dives underwater at night? Stick their bare hands in a nest. Boy, haven't I taught you anything? In Louisiana, catfish weren't the only things that might bite. About enough tequila, and he'd been down. He squinted at his muddy truck and wondered how he'd gotten home. Bo dug in his wa- pocket. The baggie was still there, inside another Ziploc containing his wallet and phone. He used his credit card to chop a line of cocaine right in the porch. He could tell by the son's position that he was late. Cat would probably fire him this time. Bo pushed himself up and went inside to shower and dress. Mama met him at the door as she jerked on his boots. Boy, you won't kill yourself if you don't slow down. I'm too old to get a visit from the sheriff telling me you're dead. Bo stooped to kiss her wrinkled cheek. I'm fine, Mama. She grabbed his arm, her face grim. I'll pray for you. Bo froze, then winked before letting the screen door bang shut behind him. That was new. In his whole life, he'd never heard her mention prayer. In fact, people in the parish had always called her a witch. Ever since he could remember, she'd done tarot readings and sold little grisgris bags of love spells to the local housewives for extra cash. He guessed he was going to have to let up on her a little. Gad was pacing outside by the time he pulled up to the office. She gave him a scathing look, but Travis saved him by yelling, Hey, you coming? Bo grinned and jogged to the dock. She'd get him later, but first there was money to be made. Cat would never interfere with that. His excitement dwindled when he surveyed the group waiting for their swamp tour. He hated tours like this one. Two girls in their early twenties, ogling him with blatant interest in three preppy guys about the same age. Statistically, the worst tippers ever. But it was better than hanging back and listening to Cat rant. So he smiled and started his spiel while Travis handed out life vests. 
Bowed, twisted, his still damp long hair and stuck it under his cap. The August sun beat down unmercifully as he told them about the bayou and how Katrina had impacted the area. Nobody was paying attention. The guys looked bored, searching the water for gators. The blonde girl glanced at the red-headed girl, then gave him a seductive smile. They were attractive, but with every smile they shot him, he felt his revenue dwindling. The guy in the Gucci sandals didn't look happy at all. Bo needed something to happen. Then he saw it. He tapped Travis on the shoulder and pointed at the thick black snake swimming on the top of the water its triangular head raised. Angle round, he said. Please don't, Travis said. Bo gave him an impatient wave. Hurry before it gets away. Bo reached down and grabbed the moccasin behind its head, barely avoiding its bite. Girls screamed when he pulled it into the boat. Its thick, dark body rod desperately. It's a water moccasin, also called a cottonmouth. A mature one's usually two to four feet, so this guy's been around a while. They're North America's only venomous water snake. Can't see because I have my thumb there. They have a distinctive skinny neck and bulky head. That's not a water moccasin, Gucci Sandal said to his buddy. They're all abandoned. Bo bristled. The older they get, the darker. He stuck the snake's head a little too close to Gucci's sandal's face, and making him withdraw. See the head pit behind its nostrils? That's how it senses prey. Also, cat-like pupils, and of course the white lining of its mouth, that's where it gets its name. Single scales on the bottom, not double like a non-venomous snake. I think it's a cottonmouth, Gucci's buddy said, because Google told him so. Bo asked the girls if they had a pen. When the blonde handed him one, he used it to milk some yellow venom from the snake's fangs. He definitely had their attention now. Bo talked a little bit longer about the snake, then managed to release it without getting bitten. Travis gave an audible sigh of relief, and the redhead clapped. They approached one of his favorite pockets in the swamp. Bo surveyed the area, pulled off his shoes, and looked at Travis. Cooler loaded? Bo, don't, Travis said, but he nodded. For some reason, Bo knew this part didn't scare him as badly as the snake stunt had. He removed his shirt and saw the blonde nudge the redhead as he lobbed it at Travis. Bo knew it was good looking. It was perhaps one of his saving graces. His looks and recklessness had gotten him things someone of his status would otherwise have a hard time acquiring, like Ren, although she was probably still not speaking to him. She'd come around. She always did. That's some scar, the blonde said, tracing a long mark on his abdomen with her fingertip. How'd you get that? He winked. <laughs> Jealous husband. He was losing the guys again, but he was about to make them offer up some big tips. Bo reached into the cooler and stuffed two handfuls of raw chicken into the cargo pocket of his shorts. Then he sat at the edge of the boat, checked his surroundings again, and jumped in. This time, even the guys gasped. He stood in neck-deep water, pulled out a piece of chicken, and waited. To your right, Travis said. 
Female alligators tended to hang in the same area, while males roamed a bit. Bo knew this one, but no need for the group to know that. A seven-foot-long female waddled off the bank and dipped into the water. The boat erupted in hushed conversation as she swam toward him. Get back in, one of the girls pleaded. Bo ignored her, focusing on the alligators swimming toward him. Trusted that Travis was scanning, watching for others. The alligator swam right up to him, bumping him with her nose. He held a piece of chicken above his head and she opened her jaws wide like a dog waiting on a treat. Keeping one hand under her throat, she dropped the piece of meat in her mouth. She closed her jaws and lay her head on top of his for a moment, like she was snuggling. Incoming, Travis said, dead ahead. This one was already in the water and might present a problem. It looked bigger and was probably male. It approached him passively enough, but its sheer size made him nervous. He fed both of them calmly until his pockets were empty. Okay, he said, time to get back in. Travis will give you some marshmallows. Kindly toss them to the area to my left. The gators think they're turtle eggs. They pelted the water with soft white blobs and the gators slowly circled toward them. The male's tail smacked Bo as he turned. Bo gave them a moment and turned to let Travis and Gucci haul him back into the boat. Dude, that was amazing, one of the guys said as Bo toweled off with his shirt. I post this on social media or... It's fine, Travis said. Thankfully, neither feeding alligators nor stupidity is illegal in Louisiana. They all laughed, and Bo knew that even if they didn't see anything else in the tour, he was still going to get paid. Everyone was animated now, talking over each other and bearing photos. Positive review, including our names, would be most appreciated, he said. And three of them started typing on their phones. The rest of the tour was relaxed, pleasant. Travis showed them the video of Bo winning the last Gator Wrestling Championship. Dude, what's something crazy y'all do here besides swimming with gators? Gucci asked. You talking like airboat races or noodling? I don't know. Just something cool we can talk about when we go home. Something different. Bo grinned. I know a thing. Buy-in's 500 each. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Cat sat in the swing in front of the office waiting for them to return. Bo gave her a little salute as he tied off the boat. 
and helped his passengers disembark. They wanted photos with the guides, so he motioned Cat over to take them. Remember, Bo whispered as he approached. Mention the game in front of the boss. You'll get us canned. The girls slid in on either side of him in the pick. They gushed to Cat about their tour while she gave them a resigned smile. Thanks, guys, Bo said. Come see us again. In about eight hours, he thought, after closing time. Cat waited until they left to say, You have another group coming in in 20 minutes, so I'll keep this short. I want you here at 9 a.m. tomorrow, just like everybody else, or you're fired. Hey, how about I come in at 11 and work a couple hours late? The sun doesn't set until early 8 now. Bobby burst out of the office and came running down the steps. Mom, she said, handing Cat a slip of paper. We have a big group coming in tomorrow at noon. They're pretty sure they'll have to split into two or three smaller groups. But they all want Bo and Travis and said they'll wait. Tell them we have other guides here and it'll be more expedient. They said if they can't have them, they'll go to Bayou Boys tours. I'm supposed to call back. Checkmate. Cat sighed. Tell them to come. We'll work with them. Bo grinned at her and said, See you at 11. Of course, each tour was different, and he didn't get in the water again. But each group was different as well, and Bo had no trouble impressing their other guests. Cat was still mad. Most of her five-star reviews on social media listed his name as the guide. She wouldn't say much less. He missed a booking. Their tip bucket total for the day was over half of what they'd make in wages for the week. Bo always split it down the middle, shortchanging the guy who watched you back. He had a couple of phone numbers in the mix slipped to him by the blonde from the first one and the schoolteacher from Mississippi on the second. He kept them both. How could you be so stupid? Joe, another guy had asked. Fair, he's probably not the best person to ask. Travis said, Ren is hot, Joe said. What I wouldn't give. Warning look from Bo cut him off. Bo waited until they both walked away to check his phone. Ren still hadn't texted. She'd left him on Reed two days ago after Ines told her about that girl from the bar. Well, he wasn't going to beg. She knew where to find him. Bo went to get something to eat, giving Cat time to close up and clear out. Then he headed back to the office. He changed clothes beside his truck, then loaded materials for the game onto one of the airboats. He'd copied most of the keys by now, without Cat's knowledge. Everything was ready by the time Travis and the others arrived. Gucci, also known as Brett, had brought friends. In addition to the five from the day trip, there were four new faces. Excellent. Once Bo won, it would be a hefty little payday. He'd made it clear that everyone who rode in the boat kicked in their entry fee, whether they chickened out or not. Then Bo would push his luck and ask for an additional 200 for supplies and gas. Brad had handed it to him so readily that he wished he'd asked for more. Travis took them deep into the swamp. Bo could guess by the way the girls huddled together that they wouldn't venture far from the boat, and he had his doubts about a couple of the guys, 
easy money. He and Travis had run this one a few times. It was usually over pretty quickly and with minimal injury, but it was a rush, even to him. They instructed everyone to stay on board until they hung a few lanterns and set the squares in place. Bo shone a light around, looking for any unexpected gators or snakes while Travis collected the money. Bo added to the stack and motioned everyone off the boat. They all looked intimidated, but a few of the guys were posturing, cracking jokes. Travis would not be playing. He'd be running the camera for those assholes. They have a video to show to their friends back home. This is how we play boar poker, Bo said, gesturing to a wooden spool set in the middle of a clearing. See the two-by-two squares of plywood circling the spool? Pick one and stand on it. If you abandon or dislodge from your square, you're out. The only exception is that you can jump. Even then, at least one foot has to come back down on the square. Understand? They all nodded. He took the barrel from atop the spool. This is corn sweetened by the strawberry syrup. They love this stuff. It'll go straight through you to get it. Bo walked around the spool, shaking the coated corn around its base. Pick your squares. They all took squares. And Travis started videoing. Bo took the square they'd left him and gave a long call of woo pig. Suey, suey. It was mostly for theatrics. Travis rang a bell. His pigs were trained to know that sound. The brush rustled and something grunted. One of the girls screamed and ran to hide behind Travis. Most of these guys top out at about 150, 200 pounds. The largest killed on record was nearly 800 pounds. They're generally three to six feet long and can run up to 30 miles an hour. The first boar charged into the clearing and two people darted from their squares at the sight of him. Big and squealing with wiry black hair and three-inch long tusks. He was moving fast. He charged straight at Bo. Bo jumped over him and came back down on his square. The boar hit the spool so hard that he nearly toppled it as he attacked the candied corn. Did you know that a boar can eat a man in 30 minutes? Bo asked Brett, who laughed. I think they're more interested in that corn, he yelled as he narrowly managed to skirt one. Boars of all sizes poured from the forest and cleared most of the field. Soon, only Brett and Bo remained. Ironically, a small piglet nearly cost Bo his square as he dodged a larger one and nearly tripped over it. He managed to right himself just as the sow ran at Brett. Brett launched himself into the air, successfully jumping it, but he tripped coming back down. Stumbled off his square, landing on his ass. Winner! Travis yelled. Bo abandoned his square to jerk Brett to safety before he got trampled. Dude! Brett yelled and slung his arm around Bo's shoulder. That was awesome! When they were back on the boat, Travis nudged Brett and said, Check it out! The replay delighted Brett, even though he'd lost. Travis gave him the footage and he chattered all the way back. Excited to look like a badass to his friends back home in Michigan. He'd also gotten a nice little scrape in his leg. Bo had seen the square pop up, but if Brett wanted to tell people it was from a tusk, it made no difference to him. They invited Travis and Bo back to their motel room to drink and do some pills. 
Travis declined. After hours, Borpoker was far into lawlessness as he ever ventured. Bo checked his phone. Still nothing from Ren. Hell yeah, he told him. I'm in. Room 252 at the Continental, Lon said. Bo and Travis watched the blade, then split the money. Be careful, Travis said. See you tomorrow. In his truck, Bo looked at his phone again, then tapped contacts and called Ren. She let it go to voicemail. Fine. He hid his part of the winnings in an empty Marlboro red box and stuffed it beneath his seat. Then he drove to the motel and partied with them until nearly 3 a.m. When he left, he did not leave alone. When the rest of her crew passed out from the booze and pills, the blonde grabbed his arm and said, let's go. Bo knew he shouldn't be driving, not the state he was in. But at this hour, there wasn't a lot of traffic, especially where they'd been going. He hit the back roads and was headed to the lake when the blonde started kissing his neck, trying to unfasten his belt. Hold on, he said, trying to push her wild tangle of hair out of his face. We're almost... Bo drifted over the center line and overcorrected. His tires hit loose gravel and he lost control. The truck flipped at least three times. His head hit the roof, then the windshield. When Bo opened his eyes, he was lying in the grass, staring straight up at the big orange moon. He felt weird, light, but basically unbroken. He sat up. The twisted wreckage of his truck crumpled against a tree a few yards away. The blonde hung halfway out of the windshield, looking like a broken doll. He saw her trying to move and scrambled to her. Hang on, hang on, he said. I'm calling for help. The phone wasn't in his pocket. He couldn't find it anywhere. I'm going to get help, he said. Don't leave me, she screamed. Please don't leave me. Not knowing what else to do, Bo stumbled toward the road, hoping to flag someone down. It was over. His life was over. He thought of his mama, of Wren. He'd go to prison for this and never see either of them again. Bo staggered down the road. He wasn't sure where he was or how far from town. All he knew was there was a, not a goddamn thing moving on this road, and that his head was pounding. He pressed his hand to the back of it and came away wet with blood. Something orange glowed off the road in the distance. He squinted at it. Was it a campfire? Out here? Maybe they had a phone. Bo stumbled onto the campsite called that, because there was no tent or camper, just a lone man in a black hoodie and dark jeans sitting on a log poking the fire. He didn't look up as Bo approached. Hey man, do you have a phone? We had an accident, the girls hurried. She's dead now, the man said and looked up. Might as well have a seat. Whether it was some trick of the light from the dancing flames or Bo's head injury, the man's features seemed to shift like sand. When he looked away, they fell back in place. He looked somehow familiar. Bo felt disoriented, lightheaded. Concussion, he thought. I have a concussion. The man patted the log beside him. Bo swayed on his feet, then, almost as if he didn't control his own body, he walked over and took a seat. Please, he said. A phone? The man shook his head. Too late for that. Too late for her. Too late for you.
His face seemed to slide again as he turned back to the fire. Bo couldn't discern if he was young or old, or pin down even one distinguishing characteristic of his features. It was like looking into a rippling pool. Your poor grandmother, the man said with a mournful cluck. Want to see her face when the sheriff comes to tell her about you? He pointed at the fire with the end of his stick, and helplessly, Bo turned to look at it. For a moment he saw nothing but flames and embers, but then a picture emerged from the shadows, shaky at first. The focus tightened until Bo could distinctly make out his mama's house and the sheriff's blazers driving up to it. Bo's grandmother came out to greet him, and the sheriff took off his hat and held it in his hands. Just a minute, he said, I have bad news. No, she moaned, her face crumpling. Not my boy, Fred, not my boy. She took a staggering step, then hit her knees. The sheriff bounded up the steps as she crashed backward. He had his radio in his hand, screaming for dispatch to send an ambulance. The hooded man chuckled. Guess she wasn't lying, huh? She really couldn't take getting that news. Bo swung at him and nearly toppled into the fire when his fist passed straight through. He gasped and tried to push himself backward, but he couldn't move. The hooded man laughed. For just a moment, it was like looking into a mirror, then the man's features dissolved again. Am I dead? Bo stammered. Are you death? Yes to the first. No to the second. When people die, sometimes it's obvious which way they're headed. We don't tie up in a lot of bureaucracy here, if it can be helped. And I thought it was pretty safe to assume no one would argue my claim on you. Don't you agree? The eyes beneath his hood suddenly growed redder and brighter than fire. Or the devil? You can call me Lucifer, he said casually. After all, we'll be seeing a lot of each other now. How about the lovely Wren? How do you think she'll react? A vision of Wren appeared, sobbing on the floor of her bathroom. She retched and vomited as her mother tried to comfort her. You really missed the boat with that one. What a beauty. And you treated her like garbage, didn't you? Why are you doing this? Bo demanded. Just take me on to wherever you're taking me. Consider this phase one of your punishment. You get to see how your miserable life affected everyone who loved you. The sad thing is, Wren doesn't even get a break now that you're gone. Guess what? She's pregnant. The gift that keeps on giving. Will she keep the little bastard, you think? Bo's chest ached. He couldn't breathe. Couldn't think. He watched Wren through the flames, crying inside the doctor's office while her mother sat beside her. Don't do it, he whispered. Gren, don't do it. She jumped up and ran from the room while her mother shouted at her to think about what she was doing. The fire shimmered, and the scene was Ran huge with his child, sitting on her front porch with Parker Singleton. Boat always hated Parker, the banker's son, who'd always been in love with Ren, but if he were being honest... Because he wasn't everything Bo wasn't. So, this was good, right? 
Parker would take care of her. Her, maybe, Lucifer said, reading his thoughts. Or what about the brat? I'm sure he'll love that reminder, if she even keeps it. Shall we see? His next vision was the delivery room of the nurse placing the baby in Ren's arms. The blanket obscured most of the infant's face, and Bo found himself yearning to see it. Parker smiled when Wren glanced up at him, but that smile disappeared when she looked back at the baby. Congratulations, it's a boy. Lucifer poked the fire, stirring the embers around until he settled on an image of the infant, suckling at Wren's breast. Bo's first clear glimpse of his child took his breath away. So beautiful, with a thick head full of dark hair and Wren's button nose. She names him Remy, if you even care. Kind of a dumbass name, if you ask me. Wren, Bo, Remy, we all have dumbass names. They probably get beaten up in kindergarten. He stirs the goals. What's this? Maybe at home, too. A little dark-haired boy about five lay on the floor, coloring. Bo knew immediately it was Remy. A blonde boy, who appeared to be around two or three, grabbed the back of the box of crayons, and Remy snatched them away. Parker seized Remy by the hair of the head and jerked him backwards so hard Bo thought his neck would snap. He slapped the boy, sending him crashing against the sofa. When Wren tried to intervene, he slapped her too. No, Bo cried. Wren grabbed the boy and crouched over him, shielding him with her body. Parker yelled something, then stormed from the room. The boy stopped crying and went back to coloring. Wren poured herself a drink and gulped it down, tears streaming down her cheeks as she looked at her children. Well, I'm sure she does the best she can, Lucifer said sympathetically. So, do you think he'll turn out to be like you, or like Parker? Maybe a lush, like his mom. A teenage boy fought with Parker on a lawn. The sight of him stunned Bo. He was almost a doppelganger for himself at that age. Except he had Wren's eyes. The boy connected a wild swing that sent Parker reeling, then stalked toward the motorcycle in the driveway. Wren ran down the steps in her nightgown trying to stop him. He shook her off and she fell in a drunken heap on the grass as he peeled out of there. Remy drove to the graveyard where he parked and stalked toward one of the monuments. Bo read his own name etched in the marble. Well, how sweet, Lucifer said. Look, Dad, he still comes to visit. Oh, oh dear. Lucifer touched his fingertips to his mouth in mock dismay as the boy pissed on the tombstone. Then Remy sat on the grass to cry. To Bo's horror, Remy took a syringe, a spoon, and other paraphernalia from his jacket pocket and tied off his arm as he prepared his dose of heroin. It's too much, Bo said. Even though he'd never done heroin, he'd seen it and knew this was too much. Please, stop him. The devil's face shifted again as he smiled. You, good sir, have nothing to bargain with. And also, this is just a preview. Little bugger has a good 17 years to work up to that level of misery. Bo watched his son convulse and vomit, 
and go still. Well, that's that, Lucifer said. We could watch a little more, Ren. Uh, but that even depresses me, watching a beauty like that go to seed. So I'll summarize. A few more years of drinking, a few hundred more Parker punches. Then she wraps her Mercedes around a tree suspiciously, close to where you died. People will always wonder if she meant to do it, but really, no one cares at that point. Let's see, who else will care when they learn you're dead? Travis, a little. Lucifer crunched his face, wiggling his hand in a side-to-side motion. But he's such a goody-goody, he'd care if anyone died, so you're not special. His job just got a lot safer, that's for sure. Who else? Lucifer shrugged. That's about it. Well, that didn't take long. He clapped Bo's shoulder. Oh, cheer up. I'm just poking at you. You may not have had many people who loved you, but your death sure wrecked the ones you did. I suppose that counts for something, right? A lasting impression. Bo buried his face in his hands and sobbed. Lucifer didn't speak, didn't rush him. Bo's mind raced, trying to think of any deal, anything he could promise to save him. He didn't care what happened to himself, but he'd do anything to keep Ren, Remy, and Mama from those fates. Surely there was something. When he lifted his head to ask, he found himself sitting behind the wheel of his truck. Both he and the truck were whole and unharmed parked outside the motel. The clock on the dash read 1.13, which was the time he'd arrived. Bo touched the back of his head, which was damp from sweat, not blood. Then he threw the truck in reverse. He headed to Wren's as fast as he dared. She had her own place, a tiny house, and Claire. Clipped her mailbox and nearly forgot to put the truck in park before he bounded out of it and ran to her door. He beat on it with both fists until the porch light flipped on. What do you want? Her sleepy voice demanded. Do you know what time it is? I have to work tomorrow. Wren, please, let me in. I have to talk to you. Well, I don't have anything to say to you. Leave before I call the cops. Look, I know this front door isn't the only thing standing between you and me. But I'm going to make it right. I love you, Ren. Please. Silence from the other side of the door. He'd never told her he loved her before. Never told anyone that except for his mama, and he hadn't told her enough. Ren cracked the door, leaving the chain in place. Bo took one look at her face and started to cry. Ugly, heaving sobs. For whatever reason, he'd been given another chance. He wasn't about to let it pass by. The chain rattled and Ren jerked open the door. What is it? he demanded. Has something happened to your mama? Bo seized her in his arms and buried his face in her hair. She held him as he bawled like a baby. Is it Mama? She asked again, and he shook his head. She pulled back and peered at his pupils. Are you high? What have you taken? Why do you smell like smoke? Once she determined he was sober, she let him in. Even though he knew it sounded crazy, he wasn't going to lie to her. He was done with that. I saw the devil tonight, man. He showed me the future. Her pretty face turned red and her nostrils flared. Bo, I swear to God, I saw him, he insisted. I was going to die tonight. 
He showed me what it would do to Mama and you and our son. Our son? If you've taken something, you'll need to tell me so I can get you to a hospital. I'm telling the truth. You're pregnant, and I'm not pregnant. You are, he insisted, and gave her an abbreviated version of what had just happened. She sat quietly until he finished, then took his hand. Look, I can tell that you believe this happened. It did. But, Bo, I'm not pregnant. I'm not even late. You will be, but it's okay. I'm going to take care of you, Rand, and him. I love you, and I'm done with all the wild stuff. You always know when I'm lying. Look at my face. Her green eyes searched his blue ones, then she sighed and brushed a soft kiss on his mouth. I know you think this is true. She shushed him with a finger to his lips when he opened his mouth to interrupt. And I want to believe you can change because I love you, I really do, and I always have. But what happens a few weeks from now when you find out I'm not pregnant and this was just some dream or trip or something? Are you going to break my heart again? Because I can't do this anymore. He brushed her long brown hair back and kissed her. One chance. I know I don't deserve it, but please, give me one last chance. She closed her eyes and bit her top lip, considering. Then she looked up at her and said, Okay. Later, as he lay his head in her lap and she stroked his hair, she said, But why would the devil try to warn you? What would he have to gain? Even though the hour was late, Jessamine sat in the back porch, contentedly snapping green beans and tossing them into a bowl. She'd just gotten off the phone with Bo, who called her to tell her he was spending the night at Wren's and would see her tomorrow. Also that he loved her and that he was going to straighten up. Something in his voice told her he meant it. He sensed her visitor before she saw him. Her old eyes weren't what they used to be, but she knew trouble when it walked up. Which, he said. Devil, she replied. I've come for what you promised me. He climbed the steps and sat in the rocking chair beside hers. Jessamine stood, wincing at the arthritis in her old joints, then put the bowl in his lap and shuffled inside the house. Extra hot sauce? She asked through the screen door. And the devil replied, Please. He snapped beans until she returned with a bowl of gumbo and a glass of sweet tea. Lucifer traded bowls with her and gave an appreciative sniff. He sighed when he took a bite. Still the best cook around, I see. Spooning another mouthful, he said. I think I got our boys straightened out. Thank you. Wish I hadn't waited so late in life to have him. That boy's just about worked me over. I wanted to make sure he was going to be all right before I kicked the bucket. Well, you have to hang on a bit longer, Lucifer said between bites, because I know you'll want to get your hands on that new grandbaby. Friends expecting, but she doesn't know it yet. Jessamine clapped her hands in delight. That's going to be a lovely child. Of course he is, Lucifer scoffed. I mean, look at his parents and grandparents. 
You were always so breathtaking. She blushed, then said, A boy, isn't that something? Bo was the most endearing little thing. I was always sad that I could never tell him I was his mother. But I was already 70 years old by the time he was born. He knew you as his mother in every way that mattered, Lucifer smiled. But you could have used a glamour spell. Didn't seem to see you old. Jasmine snorted. Easy for you to say. Those things take way too much energy for a human to maintain. Better not to fight it sometimes. I do miss the days when nothing ached. And this one's on me, he said, and waved his hand in her direction. Instantly, the years melted off Jessamine. She stared down at the body she had at nineteen. Wow she said, copping her breasts. I forgot these used to be up so high. Lucifer laughed long and heartily, then reached for her hand and pressed it into his lips. Dearest Jessamine, when you die, this world will be a much lesser place. I don't father many children anymore. The human side is too unpredictable. And I'm glad I fathered this one. It's been so entertaining absolutely fearless. That has not always been a positive quality. Combined with your good looks, he's almost lethal. Lucifer patted her hand and smiled. He's going to be okay. I'll keep my eye on him. Have my word. Jessamine grinned, and he looked offended. What? Even the devil wants his children to be happy. She put the bowl of beans aside and stood... Oh, that's not what I was smiling about. Jasmine took his hand and drew him up beside her. Wrapping her arms around his neck, she said, How long did you say this glamour will last? He rested his hands on her hips and smiled. A good five hours or so. Just what are you proposing, witch? She pushed his hood back and kissed his cheek. Just a little reminiscing between old friends. What do you say, my handsome devil? I think that sounds like the best idea of Erden ages. Lucifer picked her up and carried her into the shack. I hope you enjoyed Intervention by Stephanie Sism, as performed by yours truly. If you enjoyed that tale and would love to read more from tonight's very talented feature author, you can help support her by visiting simplyscarypodcast.com slash stephanie-sism. That's S-T-E-P-H-A-N-I-E dash S-C-I-S-S-O-M. When she isn't scaring the pants off people in her home state of Tennessee, you may find more works by her in the Daughters of Darkness anthology collection, along with Blair Daniels, Kitty Olson, and other fine authors. If you do decide to stop by the profile, please leave her a kind word and let her know that you heard about her here on this show and that Otis sent you. It would mean a lot to me. Thanks again for your support of this program and of tonight's featured author. Now, before we go, I'd also like to take a moment to thank you personally for joining me for this episode of Scary Stories Told in the Dark. 
If you enjoyed what you've heard on today's program, please take a moment to stop by our iTunes page or wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts and leave us a five-star review and a kind word. It makes a huge difference and would mean a lot to us. If you'd like to hear a premium extended edition of tonight's and all of our other episodes featuring Twice the Terror, visit simplyscarypodcast.com today and click the Patrons link in the menu at the top of the screen. You'll find yourself at chillingtalesfordarknights.com, where you can purchase season passes for this podcast and our other quality storytelling programs, or become a patron for as little as five bucks a month. You get access to our entire audio archive, dating back to 2012, all of it ad-free. If you happen to use Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube, you can follow and subscribe to Chilling Tales for Dark Nights there, where you'll get all of our latest updates and new releases and have the chance to interact with us each and every week. You can subscribe to me on YouTube as well at the Otis Gyre channel, where you'll find releases of my series, Horror Story Time, dating back to 2014. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram too. Just search for Otis Jive. Until next week, stay spooky and get some sleep if you can. <laughs> Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Scary Stories Told in the Dark, a production of Chilling Entertainment and the creative team at Chilling Tales for Dark Nights and a proud member of the Simply Scary Podcasts Network. Visit simplyscarypodcast.com today to learn more about our network and our other amazing storytelling programs. Tonight's program was hosted and its featured stories performed by yours truly, Otis Jiry. Selected stories have been adapted with the kind permission of their respective authors. Original music provided by Luke Hodgkinson and Jesse Cornett. Sound design and final mixing and mastering provided by executive producer and director Craig Groshek. Program's artwork and logo by David Romero. If you're looking for some fresh tales on a daily basis while waiting for the next podcast, check out my YouTube channel, The Otis Jiry Channel, and my extensive collection of narrated tales there. Simply search on YouTube by my name, and you'll find me. And don't forget to subscribe and press the bell notification icon to get my latest releases. Got a scary tale of your own that you'd like performed? I take submissions. Email it to me today at otis at simplyscarypodcast.com to have your terrifying tome considered for production in a future episode of this show. That's O-T-I-S at simplyscarypodcast.com. If you've enjoyed what you heard on tonight's program and are joining us on your favorite podcast app, subscribe to us to be sure you never miss an episode and leave a five-star review and a comment. Your feedback means a lot to me. You can also follow Chilling Tales for Dark Nights and yours truly on Facebook to connect anytime and get the latest updates on this and other programs and my channel. If you're listening on the Chilling Tales for Dark Nights YouTube channel, do us a favor and hit the subscribe button and the bell notification icon for CTFDN as well to get more spooky tales from me and the crew 
and another episode of this program each and every Wednesday. And don't forget to hit that thumbs up button to tell us how we're doing and leave a kind word or a request. And don't forget to visit us at ChillingTalesForDarkNights.com and consider supporting the team by becoming a patron. In addition to helping us out, you'll get exclusive access to our audio archive and ad-free downloads of all your favorite stories, including those you've heard on this program. As for me, I'll be back next Wednesday with more terrifying tales to keep you up all night. But that's all right. Who needs sleep anyway? <laughs>